This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 178, about Iron Fist Season 2, Episode 4, Target Iron Fist. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, one and all, including our co-host Chris. He is back from Conlon. This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 178, about Target Iron Fist, the fourth episode of this second season of Marvel Netflix's Iron Fist. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm another of your hosts, Derek. And I am the traveling companion, also known as Chris. (laughs) Welcome back, buddy. Thank you very much. My Kung Lung slash podcast room is now built in my new house. Excellent. Yeah, so my audio is going to be fantastic from now on. And if it's not, the only person to blame is our irrevitable producer. (laughs) Nice. Thanks, Chris. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay. Uh, All emails about the quality of the podcast to me at uh, Derek at DefendersTVPodcast.com if you want to email me. But if you want to email your thoughts about any of the episodes that we're discussing, email us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com or pop over to our Facebook group where we're putting up spoiler posts for each of the episodes we're discussing where you can discuss with other listeners, other fellow defenders about their thoughts about the episodes as well. That's over at Facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast. Yes, and of course, there is voicemail. So if you want to leave up to 90 seconds of your own thoughts, please head on over to DefendersTVPodcast.com and go to the right hand tab where you can leave 90 seconds of voicemail. Really enjoy the voicemails, actually. You get to see inside the glowing heart of Shaolau. <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh, we are looking forward to getting some feedback in and we're four episodes into the show recording ahead of the release of marvel's iron fist so uh, when we get some feedback we'll be discussing it in a later section which will drop into the show but we're trying to get all of these recorded as soon as we can as we watch them without any kind of interference from anybody else's thoughts and personally i'm really enjoying iron fist right now it's been really good these first four episodes have been really enjoyable yeah really enjoying the pace actually um mm-hmm. i'm liking the new take on uh, one of my favorite characters, really. I really do think there's been a great development of this character. I mean, even from season one, I I liked how that character uh, developed as well. So it, it, it's really playing quite nicely. And, it, you know, there's some subtle differences. I mean, certainly from the Defenders, you really got a sense of tragedy, I think, um, across everything that Danny Rand seemed to do. This is a little more upbeat in a sense mm-hmm. yeah. certainly with his relationship with colleen uh but yeah really enjoying the pace of this uh season so far mm-hmm. exactly the same thoughts exactly the same with you guys it's not a different take i don't think so much on danny rand it feels mm-hmm. like just like a natural evolution absolutely of the character of the setting of i think we discussed in our season one kind of reviews that they stumbled a few times in terms of who the character was a man of two worlds very much and i think they very much now have found it by adding even a third world on the environment of kind of Chinatown. Mm-hmm. So he's a man of Kung Lung. He's a man of the still the financial district, so still a man of Rand Enterprises, but now he's also a man of the people. Um, and I think that kind of comes across very much so in this episode as well. Definitely. Yeah, I think on with our spoiler-filled review of episode 
four. Uh, Derek, what are some of the episode details? Yeah, this episode is called Target Iron Fist, which is named after the 13th issue of the original Iron Fist run. That issue featured Misty Knight working on a sting operation taking down a drug pusher. And this is our first episode where we see Misty Knight uh, in the Iron Fist world. So quite cool that there's a little tie-in with the comic book. Not a huge amount, but a little tie-in anyway. Uh, The episode was written by Jenny Lynn. Uh, She has worked in the superhero genre before. She wrote two episodes of Arrow. But really interesting to Jenny Lynn, she started out her career as a translator working on the Joss Whedon show Firefly, which featured multiple languages, and she was involved in the translating of those languages for the cast and for the crew. That's quite a cool little start. Yeah, that's very cool. I I love Firefly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. If Marvel wants to bring it back, if Netflix brings it back, I will be very happy. <laughs> I do do not think that's going to happen, but no. never say never. No, but check out the comic books. They're really good. They're really worth, yes. worth checking out. And this episode was directed by MJ Bassett. Uh, first time working in the Marvel, Marvel world, but MJ directed four episodes of one of my favorite shows, The Little Watched, unfortunately, Ash vs. Evil Dead. I think the highest viewers that show got was about 200,000, but we do count ourselves among them. Yes. A really, really enjoyable, crazy, violent, hilarious show. Proudly. Yes. Hefe. <laughs> another show taken before it's time definitely but we got four seasons of the show which was well worth watching um, <laughs> yes. half an hour every week that i laughed and cried at the uh, violence and pain that the Absolutely. characters were going through hilarious so good but so good but john do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode sure the breakdown of the parlay between the hatchets and the golden tigers sees danny rand and colleen wing approach mrs yang in the hope that she can retain the peace in chinatown while Sir Danny sees her husband bedridden from a stroke. At his bedside, he learns of a shipment from Hancock 212 moving through the docks and also spots bruising on Mr. Yang's neck that conforms to the ancient Kunlun technique known as the Devil's Claw. As they leave the Yang's house, they bump into Misty Knight, who asks them to take a step back from the triads as she explains they destroyed a long-standing and undercover police operation. As they catch up and share information, Danny sneaks off to intercept the cargo, but is beaten to the crate that contains a desiccated corpse of an iron fist by Davos, who has much to prepare with the Crane sisters. Meanwhile, Joy finally agrees to trust that Mary Walker will complete their arrangement, despite the surveillance photos at Danny and Colleen's dojo. Mary goes to work as she beats up and kidnaps Danny Rand, delivering him to Davos and the Crane sisters. As they bleed him and complete an ancient ritual, a steel serpent is formed on the back of Davos, who vows to reclaim what is his, the power of the immortal Iron Fist. So yeah, wow. Ancient rituals, I'm liking it already. The steel serpent, I'm liking it even more. Mm -hmm. Mary Walker going absolutely uh, nuts on uh, Danny's body i suppose in the the metro station yeah really really good this was like everything misty night coming in as well Mm -hmm. zombie awesome randall maybe maybe you know desiccated corpse i was kind of thinking if it is orson randall who is a character we've mentioned from the comic books a couple of times because he's one of our favorite former iron fists if it was him we may have seen the guns placed in around his body just 
to indicate that it's definitely Orson Randall. Yeah. I think this may be the 1940s Iron Fist that we saw running around in season one, the black and white images that we saw in season one um, with, with Madame Gao uh, show, showing those images. I think that's more likely than Orson Randall. I'm hopeful because the first time I, I want to see Orson Randall is in a flashback, not dead <laughs> in a crypt, <laughs> yeah. um, unfortunately. But, uh, but no, that's an interesting one, though. Yeah, definitely. And of course, it will be one of our points. Mm -hmm. So, on to point number one, dare I say it. Yeah. Peace is the way, man. Mm -hmm. Peace is the way, dude. Yeah, it really does get very hippie and very druggy 60s, swinging 60s, as Danny and Colleen really do return to Mrs. Yang to make sure that they can secure peace. Dare I say it, after they completely messed up the parlay, uh, between the Golden Tigers and the Hatchets. Mm -hmm. I, I want to say, yeah, agree with you that they messed it up, but then I also, I do see Danny's side. This yeah, is the worst too. part about this new character development, Danny. I could easily kind of go, no, he, he did the immature thing in season one. Now I'm like, he saw three people come together and he saw two people run towards the building. I do the exact same thing in his situation. Absolutely. As much as we kind of slag the hippie-ish peace, man, it's all, it's the only way to go forward, man. <laughs> <laughs> what we do end up getting is Chinatown will descend into chaos. So the approach that they're taking, which is trying to continuously sue for peace through whatever means necessary, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't find fault with their approach of like going directly back to the Yangs to kind of push for and sue for them to go for peace again. And it was interesting. I did like Danny finding out about, what was it, the the, the bruising on um, Mr. Yang's neck? Yeah. I, I can't remember the name of it. Devil's Claw. Devil's Claw. It's very much like a five-finger death punch from kind of Fifth of the North Star. He could have cured it, though. That's the question I had. I have a note on that, actually. Uh, we might as well bring it up here. Uh, Danny does use a technique or tries to use a technique on Mr. Yang, which is one that we see in the comic books. He tries to get Mr. Yang to focus his chi to cure himself, but he's pulled out of the room by Mrs. Yang and her men before he's able to convince Mr. Yang to follow what his teachings are. It feels like if he'd been in there a little bit longer, he may have been able to help cure what's going on with Mr. Yang. He's telling him to calm down. He's telling him to focus on his breathing. It could have been easily mistaken as a standard uh, CPR technique kind of thing or a standard emergency medical officer technique. But it also feels like something from comic book Danny Rand. Okay. I didn't really get that at all. Like I was expecting sort of that glowing palm to be mm -hmm. put on his neck maybe exactly uh, to you know like he did in season 1 where you mm -hmm. know he found out he had this healing power of of the chi yeah i i was expecting to see something like that i didn't really clock that maybe he was trying to cure Mr. Yang through Chi, but effectively do it yourself, Mr. Yang. He was trying to get him to calm down, definitely. I think maybe I'm, maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into it, but he did only have just seconds before Mrs. Yang and the other members of the team came in. Danny was a little bit too focused on getting the information out of Mr. Yang to help actually cure him. He was hearing words from Mr. Yang telling him the information he's been trying to find out for a long time about what's going on with Davos's plan. So, it did feel like he was kind of going, okay, well, let him give me the answer and then maybe I'll cure him and then maybe I'll help him out, you know? Yeah, I mean, we do get to hear, well, Danny, I should say, gets to find out from Mr. Yang that there is something waiting uh, and he just hears Hancock 
212, mm-hmm. uh, referring to a, a shipping container uh, down at the docks. Uh, but yeah, as well, we've also learned at this moment that in the failed parlay, uh, the Golden Tigers have taken back the docks and that ultimately this push for peace by Danny and Colleen is not being received very well from Mrs. Yang because she said, we have nothing to trade now. You know, before there was a deal, there was a a, a sweet deal where they were getting something in return. Uh, now, uh, you know, this is all out war as far as she can tell. Um, and then obviously Danny spots uh, Mr. Yang. I, I mean, it does look as the nurse comes running in and Mrs. Yang that his presence has kind of worked Mr. Yang up into this kind of, frenzy of shock or anxiety that seems mm. to be running through him uh, as uh like the heart monitors going up and up and up and up and up yeah um maybe it's a delayed reaction to the devil's claw you know his heart will suddenly just burst from his chest it's kind of a delayed reaction maybe. to davis's devil's claw maybe yeah i know mrs yang did say that he hadn't spoken a word since going into the coma so obviously he's having a bit of a conversation with Danny here. So by forcing himself to do that and tell Danny the information about that it was Davos and that about Hancock 212, the shipment that's coming in, um, that's obviously too much for him. That's where that's where this situation's coming from. But that is our first point, obviously, Danny and Colleen's attempt at again trying to negotiate peace within these rival gangs. So let's go on to point number two, because as we mentioned, Misty Knight is here. Wasn't a request as she says to Danny and Colleen when she says, join me in the car. I love that she has that forceful presence of Misty Knight once again. I love Misty Knight. We talked about her all the way through season two of Luke Cage, a brilliant season for Misty Knight. She did some great things in that show, and I love they're able to transition her so well over to this show because we had that moment in season two of Luke Cage where Colleen came over to help her out with a problem that she was going through, and now she's over to join them like old friends would, just driving across the city to see their friends and find out information about them. It's nice how easily you can integrate this character back into the world of Iron Fist and uh, Colleen Wing. Yeah, but she's not a tea drinker either. <laughs> she she likes a good, strong cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I do love that when she comes into the house and says, uh, do you have any coffee? And Danny goes, we're more of a tea household. <laughs> and Misty's just got having none of it. No, no thanks. <laughs> but she does explain that the people that Danny saw who were attacking the parlay between the two gangs were police officers. So Danny's now put the kibosh on quite a big police operation by cancelling the parlay before the police were able to get in. Yeah, I, I do really mm-hmm. like how Misty is sharing this information i get the feeling that her clout within the Mm -hmm. apartment is obviously going up more and more and we talked about in in luke cage season two how she could become this liaison with potential vigilantes Mm -hmm. or known vigilantes etc in theory this multi-faceted multi-departmental sting for the triad would not fall in her remit yeah yeah. she's in harlem again since we've seen her in what maybe a couple of weeks month maybe in the cinematic time she seems to have maybe continued this upwardly mobile trend that she was having towards the end of season two potentially potentially i know she does say that the main reason why she's involved here is that the guy who was first to the scene after she lost her arm was a guy that was killed uh, and was working undercover with these gangs so that's why i think she's more involved in it 
I don't think she's actually involved in the operation, but she's involved in this friendship with uh, one of the police officers. Yeah, but he wasn't killed. Sorry, it was, he was in the attack. She says, and he saw the glowing fist, mm-hmm. um, right. which yeah. obviously alerted her then to to Danny Rand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, it's great having Misty back in here. I re- think she does transition really well. Again, I think her and Colleen they have such an amazing connection with one another. I really like it how they're chatting about Midland Circle and, you know, Misty's like saying, oh, you literally did hang up the katana as she sees it above the fireplace, I mm-hmm. think. This is really nice between the, these two. Um, and of course, in this moment, they think that Danny's just gone off to get some fresh air and then realize after this conversation that they have that he has decided to sneak out uh, and go uh, on this lead of Hancock two on two uh, down by the docks. So, uh, you know, they immediately then see that they have to go rushing after him, that, that he ne- he will need backup or he will need some sort of protection or, or something. So that that was uh, really, really good, I thought. Yeah, and just I, I, I'm going to need our fellow defenders here and potentially even the Immortal Iron Fist podcast to help me. Um, I'm pretty sure Hancock 212 is a Marvel Easter egg reference. Okay. I'm assuming 212 is the issue number. Hancock could be the writer or the artist. I, I, I'm trying to figure that one out. I still have not. I, straight away, when I think Hancock, I go to the Will Smith superhero right. film. No matter what anyone says, I love that film. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure that this is a, 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 a nod, a nice little Easter egg. But yeah, no, we've yet to figure it out. Um, I do love the very much TV show portrayal which is oh random name and uh some numerals do you know what i have that information <laughs> it was just missy going could it be hancock shipping i was like of course absolutely that was, it was in like 30 seconds i was like okay no digging no no hmm let me think about it oh well what do you know no it made sense it kept the flow of this kind of scene or scenes and i i as you kind of say john lended itself very well to kind of what our point three which is again our formation of the daughters of the dragon Mm -hmm. yeah um so basically colleen and misty before they even set out to help danny having that one-on-one heart to heart where they're like no look we're starting to get to know each other we're sharing more like i think this is the beginning of something beautiful (laughs) it seems to get to that point I'm assuming by the end of the season, Misty will help Colleen. It will be Misty that helps Colleen kind of overcome her fear of taking out the Bushido blade because she she brings up the Bushido law, which is never draw a weapon unless you want to use exactly. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and I was like, that's that's a good reason why now she's using everything else. Yeah. She brings that Bushido blade. She is chopping some heads exactly, off. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we're at that point already here in these scenes. I think the, the moment that it tells me is that Misty is talking to Colleen and dealing with Colleen only and then actually refers to the fact that he doesn't, she doesn't really know Danny that well, but kind of really likes their relationship and is happy for Colleen that the two of them are in this relationship. Um, what we saw in season two of Luke Cage was Colleen going over to Harlem to help out Misty. And it feels like while Misty is here, she's already go- having those conversations that only a friend would with Colleen. Because yeah, Colleen's not definitely. really shared this kind of crisis of faith and crisis of identity of who she is. She hasn't really shared that with anybody else. But I think after everything they went through together in Misty's recovery after losing her arm in Midland Circle and 
those moments where Misty was worried about going back to the police force, having gone through those, they they're really are building their friendship quite strongly already. It seems to be pretty much unbreakable as friends right now. And I'm liking that they've brought that relationship back in, as you say, in our in our point three in the Daughters of the Dragon connection. Yeah, I, I think the really nice thing is that that crisis of faith that Colleen has uh, and that she discusses with Misty, it does transfer to the the shipping containers and the docks when they go off to help um Danny were Misty again is trying to rein in Danny you know you can't just go off into the night to to really try and 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 stop Davos you know yes he's your brother he used to be in Conlon but there are other things at play here and and you really see that crisis as well of of Colleen agreeing with Misty but then standing by her man to an extent yeah, and saying, yeah. you do need to, to go after him. Misty has this moment where she says, drawing a line in the sand only works if you don't cross it. And again, Colleen is in these two worlds at the moment where she doesn't want to cross it. She wants to have that katana hung up on the wall. Uh, but at the same time, she sees the drive as to what Danny needs to do, has to do, uh, because in a sense, he's the only one that understands it. You know, again, from Misty, you do get this idea that, like with Luke Cage, that there are some elements that, you know, they bring up about the dragon or about, you know, the mystical city where it is totally dubious to them. They can't touch it. They can't see it. So for them, it, it doesn't exist almost. And that this is maybe just a strange take on a Tibetan monastery rather than anything uh, as supernatural or mystical as this. So I, I do like that theme of in effect doubt really that what Danny is saying is fully the truth, whether yeah. it's there's a, a PTSD element to it or, or whatever. It's really nice to see that continue here uh, with Misty. But of course, you know, they, they race to go and help Danny, uh, make sure he's okay. But of course, both Danny uh, and Misty and, and Colleen are too late. You know, the shipment has already been um, found and opened by Davos. Mm-hmm. You could say the ship has already left the the dock. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, you could you could say that. You won't, but you no. could. I, I'm going to bring a slight part of a, uh, one of our next points or the, our final point, just regarding the daughters of the dragon, because what we do see is there is a part where Colleen sides with Danny against Misty's judgment, mm-hmm. and that has me not concerned but again we're, we're going to end up getting a bit more friction again until they learn to kind of be better partners and now i'm talking about the daughters of the dragon here mm-hmm. what we're going to end up seeing is misty going well i'm trying to help you but you sided with your man literally your man and you're going with him over my better judgment me being cop knowing more why are you doing that and i can see that playing a bit more in after this episode Maybe. Depending on how much Misty is in it Maybe. this season. I think it's one of those things that says a lot about Colleen. Um, she stands up for Danny out of loyalty, not out of belief. She doesn't believe that Danny's doing the right thing, but she's loyal to Danny. And I think that is part of Colleen's character. Um, so Misty may learn that she has to kind of accept that as part of Colleen's character, as opposed to cutting her down and saying, follow my lead all the time. Um, Colleen 
is this type of person who will lead with her heart and her heart is with Danny. So if Danny says he wants to do something, she'll tell him it's right or wrong, but she'll still stand by him. Um, that's kind of her way. So it'll definitely be interesting. I'm sure it will come back up in the future, but I'm not sure whether it's going to cause a huge amount of friction between the two of them. I don't know whether I would ever tell one of my friends, don't stand up for your man. Uh, listen to what I'm going to say. Sometimes you just step back from those kind of conversations. <laughs> I know, but every time I'm seeing this, I'm just hearing, stand by your man. Of course. You know, they're all country fans. <laughs> but of course, maybe Danny's just kind of discovered that in his 80s and 70s and missing pop culture lessons. Maybe, maybe. Uh, let's get on to point number four, because I want to talk about Mary Walker uh, in this episode. Wow. <laughs> let's talk about Mary Walker. This is cool. This is so cool. Just even from that opening moment, that pre credit scene with Mary dragging an unconscious Danny through the train station, and you're going, okay, how did it get to that? He's the immortal Iron Fist. He is master of martial arts. How is it possible that Mary can take him down? Because all we've seen really is a slightly aggressive Mary Walker, and we've also seen this really polite, nice uh, artist Mary uh, so far in the season. We haven't seen her fighting at all yet, so uh, great to see that later on in the episode. But I love that they set up this particular episode with that moment where you're going, oh, I have to watch to the end of this one. This is going to be interesting. I I was so confused. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to lie. I turned this on and went, oh... Okay, I'm watching the what did I I missed I missed the whole episode. What just happened here? And I stopped it and started again. And I'm like, okay, and I was about to text you. And as I was texting you guys to go, did you notice anything wrong? It went it jumped backwards. I was like, oh, that's a really cool way of doing it. Yeah, it is, okay. It is, isn't it? It's a little bit confusing because obviously we're not watching these on Netflix as the full setup version of these. We're watching these in our preview screeners and they were actually out of order on the screeners. One of the episodes is in a different order and I've been really careful when I'm starting the episodes to push the right button. But uh, but no, I thought it was great. I think it works really well having that moment of her sitting over the, the prone body of Danny Rand in the in the train station. It's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Can I just add, they've really gone a really great look here. I was expecting some form variation of the costume. We may get that later on. Um, Mm -hmm. But this kind of proto man in black um, daredevil kind of style as well, which is she's just wearing shades, which we'll get to um, and a black hoodie and black pants. Yep. Uh, it's so good it does fit in quite well with all of the the costumes on uh on the netflix shows though doesn't it it does kind of take that moment of where did she buy her hoodie because everybody else has bought their hoodie in the color that represents them (laughs) and she's the dark character wearing her hoodie versus the rest of them but yeah it's just so good i mean just you know the 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 crush of the mobile phone with her boot Mm -hmm. um but all of this it's like i want more mary walker i mean I, again, I really noticed the the two colors to her uh, irises. Um, really good. Just gives her a, a completely sort of detached look. You know, she's kind of sat very calmly. Uh, and I love how she addresses uh, Joy, you know, leave my stuff alone. Stop touching my things. And then she goes full Walker unleashed with the chokehold on, on Joy Meacham because, mm-hmm. you know, Joy and Davos have just been at her going, what's happened here? And of course, it's only when Joy reads the discharge papers to see that she has um, dissociative identity disorder. And, and you get that really 
great moment of, of feeling the hatred for that other personality that is in her life uh, where she goes do you know what it's like waking up hungry because your other self didn't eat mm -hmm. you know loved it absolutely loved mary and and joy together you know joy really saying you need to go through with what our agreement, our arrangement is through to completion. You know, Davos at this stage has left because he says, I've got preparation to do with the Crane sisters. Mm -hmm. So it was just so good. I really enjoyed every moment of, of it. One thing I just kind of wanted to ask was Mary Walker, um, you know, the one in black, mm -hmm. did she have a southern accent here? I, I kind of sensed a bit of a, a twang. I'm not entirely sure now where Wisconsin is. You know, that's sheep, miles, Mary from Wisconsin. Right. But does she also have different voices to these different personalities? There's definitely so much more strength that comes out in Walker in the more angry version of Walker that definitely changes her voice. I also have to compliment Alice Eve as well. There's a moment where she stands up while Joy is going through the items on the shelves. And she does a change in her shoulder placement where her shoulders kind of roll forward. And it's almost a different body stance that she has, showing that it's a completely different person here than we've seen in Mary in the past. It's just a nice little touch by the actress to show how different these two characters are. It's not just one sweet and innocent and the other one's a former army vet. It is that these two people are completely different people living inside the same body. And she does little moments to do it. It's just fantastic. Really good work. Yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement with you guys. I love the tiny touch of having two different colored eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And just where you see Joy notice it and the camera. I didn't know why the camera was just stuck on like that very close up face. And then I was like, oh, there's two different. Oh, brilliant. It was really well done. I agree with you. What Alice Eve does, just the whole demeanor is completely changed. Mm -hmm. By the way, that, that knife work against Davos. It was oh, so yes. fluid, so quick. I was just like, yeah. oh, you could see the beginning there. So it's like, yeah, this is going to be great. Mm -hmm. And I'm right. I'm right in saying that she's a trained dancer and has also uh, done martial arts herself in the past. Alice Eve as an actress, she has those in her backpack as as a tools that she uses when she goes into roles like this. She's not someone that's coming into this show just as an actress. She has a lot of movement techniques that she comes into the show with as well. So she is quite experienced. She is the only person on the set, I believe, that ended off in hospital after doing one of her scenes. So um, that could be the fight scene that we see later on in this episode versus Danny. She doesn't say exactly which one it is because she didn't want to spoil it. But she did end off uh, hurting herself quite badly on, on the set of the show. Uh, she's fine now. She's looking great and uh, doing grand. Not in hospital at all, but she did spend a night in there uh, getting monitored. So she went all out in her fight scenes. Yeah, no, you can see that uh, very much like Finn Jones. They They all have these kind of... A bit of work prior in terms of this, but they all kind of went deep and kind of really trained. And again, we talked about the showrunner and how they've even shown off some previous videos of the choreography, the stunt coordinators. They did some nice kind of behind the scenes of mm -hmm. some of the fights. And you could see that like, they were in there. And I can only assume Alice Eve was the same. Yes, she was. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, that was one of the insistences from Clayton Barber, the, the new stunt coordinator for the show or the new fight choreographer for the show i always get that wrong and um, he's the fight choreographer and he's 
expressly said that he wanted to make sure that when they had the fights that the camera could be put in places where the actors would be seen doing the fights. So for the most part, and I believe it's somewhere over 90% of the fighting was done by the cast and the main cast of that. So. Yeah, it's such a cool fight. You know, she, she talks to, to Davos and Joy about how, you know, I've spent 60 days tracking Danny Rand, learning about him, following him, uh, observing how he fights and all that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see this knowledge used against the Iron Fist in, in the subway. Um, and, and just her tactics, you know, she shields herself from the uh, aftershock of the Iron Fist being punched on, on the platform. Uh, you know, these tactics over his inherent strength within the Iron Fist is just really clever. And and it just elevates that character of Mary for me, seeing how she's able to take him down. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed that. You know, smart fighting against the Iron Fist. You could imagine, you know, Davos and Danny on that same subway platform going at it for hours with their their different moves she gets the job done you know mm-hmm. she protects herself and she goes in for the weak points uh and ultimately comes out on top yeah exactly exactly using that element of surprise to begin with because he doesn't expect mary to be the one coming after him and then twisting it and making sure she knows where to be at the right moments to take him out really good i love that she ties up the iron fist puts it behind his back so he can't use that that's the first way she takes away his weapon yeah and then when he as you say when he hits the ground with the iron fist beforehand she puts herself behind a pillar to block the move as well so she's clearly been watching this guy and knows exactly how his moves work so that's a nice scary moment for mary I did wonder, does that happen a lot in New York where a fight runs through the subway carriage uh, <laughs> and then out onto another platform? I would just be freaked out. I'd be like, yeah. uh, okay. And then like the doors just go and, and the, the train goes away. I'm like, <laughs> okay, fine. I'm certainly not going to stop a fight if I see it uh, like that one. Uh, well, no, neither am I. <laughs> I. I will run screaming back uh, out through the exit. Uh-huh. I really like this fight in the subway. Um, just even using, I couldn't say some form of grotted wire as he goes in with the, the second charge of the iron fist at mm-hmm. her. She grabs it via wire just under his wrist and twists his hand back and powers him down. Yeah. Just the, the move straight away where she goes in and she's able to kind of drug him with something and that slowly kind of, but then she, even with that drug, just, just in his system where he shouldn't be kind of having too many issues. She's going toe for toe. I like this way that they're showing that she is trained. So she knows, as she said, I, I've learned his strengths. I know his weaknesses. Yeah, she, yeah. she has, she is very, I would say military, but that's probably wrong. It's very strategic, probably is the best term. Um, but just really, really good. I can't wait to see more of this. And I think it's really important as well, because Danny is effectively supposed to be the best martial artist in the world. That's why he won the heart of Shaolao or won the ability to battle for the heart of Shaolao. So it's good having this type of battle against a villain who isn't as strong as him, isn't coming from a Kung Fu background, isn't coming from a karate background. She's coming from the fact that she has followed him around, has learnt all the things that he's used on the streets every night as he's been going out. By following him and watching him, she's learnt his tactics and therefore she's using her knowledge over his strength. And I think that's a really good way to get around the hyper-powered Danny Rand, you know, the the best martial artist in the world. It's a great way to get around it. If you follow him around every night when he's battling in the streets of New York, 
you may find a weakness and you may find a weak point. She found all of them and uses them all against him. A great, great way to use the character. Yeah. And I did want to just quickly point out that the, there's a bit of maybe epilepsy or light is an issue. Um, because what we see is as there's sparks going off and flashing lights, she puts on the shades mm. and she does something similar with, uh, when they're in, in the warehouse at the end, which is something we should watch out for. But that actually perfectly brings us on to point number five of this episode. Iron Fist is in a warehouse, but how did he get there? Yes. I loved getting to see Davos going in to Hancock shipping, um, taking out those three golden tigers just smooth fluid beautifully choreographed just really you see how violent he is Mm -hmm. uh, even though he's supposed to be the pacifist even more but he's just slowly turning into the steel serpent i agree with you guys i don't think this is also randall i agree with derek i think this is the iron fist from 1940 something I can't remember which year, but yeah, I think it's like 1940-something. It's the one we saw from season one in the grainy footage. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, we don't see guns. That being said, we know we usually get a lovely flashback episode every season. How cool would it be to get a flashback (laughs) of all the different Iron Fists throughout the years? Mm -hmm. We get get the, the, the history of this guy, and then someone which we assume is Orson Randall from the comic books. Danny has to seek him out. Danny has to learn about the other Iron Fists and how they lose their powers, lost their powers, etc., in order to now combat the end of this episode. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that that would seriously be playing into uh, the the Matt Fraction uh, and Brubacher Immortal Iron Fist series for sure. Uh, I, I even just think the fact that, you know, there is another Iron Fist desiccated, um, you know, sweet zombie fist in in the casket mm-hmm. that he's brought in. Absolutely links into that series of comics on the Immortal Iron Fist anyway, uh, which shows all the different Iron Fists through through the ages, how they rose to that um, and the different situations that they found themselves in. So that that would be really, really cool. But I mean... Yeah, that dead Iron Fist is, is just cool anyway. He has that same headgear on. He's got the tattoo of Shao Lao. So, you know, it's a full-on Iron Fist here, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that, yeah, it probably isn't awesome, Randall, given that there's no guns there. However, you know, that footage um, from Season 1 could conceivably be awesome, Randall, Absolutely. as well. It, it's about the right time mm-hmm. um to be honest that you would have Orson randall so you never know but yeah it, it would be very cool if Orson randall came in here uh in order to help danny in some way that would be very very cool i really like how when misty arrives with colleen you know to help danny i do love it when she walks into the crate as well i actually thought I was praying she was going to do her ah hell no from uh, Luke Cage as she walks in to see this, you know, dead body uh, there with that kind of communion wafer now cut out of it in terms of, you know, the Iron Fist tattoo that's been removed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it does look like uh, an alien has burst its chest yeah. where, in fact, yeah. uh, Davos has taken that a circle of... 
his chest that holds the uh, Iron Fist, the dragon tattoo. He also took the mask. Yes. Yes, he did. He took the ceremonial mask. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, really important because obviously that represents that moment when the Iron Fist was taken away from Davos. You know, that moment, the last time he wore that mask was when he was beaten by Danny Rand and he lost the Iron Fist. Um, So really interesting. And also... You gotta know you're a bad guy when you're cutting skin off of a tattoo off somebody's body, stealing the ceremonial mask of a former Iron Fist. <laughs> you know, it, it's gotta be that moment where you go, oh, hang on a second. Maybe I've gone a bit too far here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and well, as Missy would say, why is it every time I'm with you two, it always ends in weird shit? It's very weird what's going on here. Mm. And of course, we do get to see uh what it the end game of, of this is for 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 Davos uh and for Danny um with Danny having been kidnapped by Murray we're back in some kind of warehouse setting or or, or something um a bit like where you would have found the hand in, in season 1 or something mm. like that where you get this recipe for um iron fist you know it's like Delia Smith does the Iron Fist cake, uh, in, in a sense, uh, which is really good. It's, you know, it's part blood from Danny Rand. It's part, as I say, communion wafer, uh, with the Iron Fist tattoo on it. Um, there a is waffer, waffer a waffer, a, a little waffer. You're just trying to make sure you don't think of that as somebody's skin. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, you have this, this broth that Davos drinks. You have, uh, the Crane sisters, you know, inking Davos then with, you know, the steel serpent symbol, which mm-hmm. is just fantastic. Danny in absolute agony as he's being bled, uh, from kind of the, the, the stomach uh, by one of the crane sisters as well and, and again the, the the crane sisters or, or should i say you know crane daughters was introduced by brubacker as well uh within uh the iron fist so it, it's coming from that apparently you know ultimately from uh mother crane and my little theory is still that maybe colin wings uh, mum could be something to do with the crane hence the the logo yeah, that's entirely possible. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the Crane Sisters were created by uh, Ed Brubacker. They're in issue one of the Immortal Iron Fist yeah. uh, books. Um, they are called the Daughters of the Crane in the books. It We're guessing that the Crane Sisters are are connected to uh, Mother Crane. It makes makes a lot of sense that this is just a different version of the name because yeah. they've never introduced Mother Crane in the show, of course. Um, so having the Daughters of the Crane would make no sense at all unless you're definitely going to introduce her in the future. So if they don't <laughs> introduce her... They've got the Crane Sisters here, these mystical, magical creatures working alongside Davos, just like they did in the comic book. The only big difference in the comic book, I'm presuming we're not going to see this on a Netflix show, is they actually transform into cranes. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to see a transformation of these two girls no, into, I don't uh, into think cranes so. and fly away on the Netflix shows. Do you think we'll get a bit of Madame Gao flashback? Because we have no idea right now where Davos has discovered the symbol for the steel serpent. Mm -hmm. We were reminded in the last episode when Joy and Davos met in Paris at the end of season one. Mm -hmm. And we do know Madame Gao was there. So could Madame Gao be the one who has instructed none other than Davos in who and what the steel serpent is? 
mm-hmm. how he can use this. So while she was doing the Midland Circle uh, debacle, which is also known as the Defenders season one, um, Davos was working on this for the time. Um, I would love to see that, Chris, actually. I think that would be a very cool mm-hmm. use of, of Madame Gao. And, and, you know, assuming she died at the bottom of Midland Circle, they're a great way of bringing her back uh, into the Iron Fist series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we speculated quite a lot that she could be Mother Crane. It would be nice to have it confirmed in this way uh, that she's the one that's that's been guiding Davos. And again, she did use the uh, Steel Serpent logo as her as her drug logo back yes. in season one of Daredevil. So uh, she definitely has that logo to hand. So, hey, put this on your back. Uh, <laughs> it would be a great way to have a little flashback in there. Um, overall, that's that was our golden point, actually, because that was our sixth point yes. for this episode. So much happened in this episode. Uh, I actually thought it was going to finish the way it started. And then to have this moment with the Crane sisters working their recipe up on the Iron Fist, it felt like a nice extra moment in the in the episode that I wasn't expecting at all. Um, any other notes on the episode, guys? The only note I've got is kind of where Davos turns and goes, now you'll give me what's always been mine, brother. It's like he's about to do a Spock mind meld on Danny Rand. So this looks to be, is it a transfer of information, memory, or the chi that he's going to do on Danny Rand in order to get what he believes is his by right. So, right, right. you know, and, and be imbued with this chi that makes the Iron Fist. So, mm, um, yeah, that, that was, uh, that was very cool. But, uh, you know, in that sense, can't wait for the next episode to just see what this ritual has, has done to Danny Rand. Absolutely. And to, Davos himself yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Or was he possibly about to use the Devil's Claw again on Danny? Was he, now that he's prone and, and, and unable to fight back, was he about to use that on him and kill him? Remember, this show is called Iron Fist. It's not called Danny Rand the Immortal Iron Fist. And if the power of the Iron Fist to transfer it over to Davos, the show could conceivably continue without <laughs> Danny Rand. Well, maybe. It's yeah. a possibility. It's a possibility. For the first time, they've named the show that it, that, that is a possibility. Uh, one other thing for the notes that I, I wanted to mention, we haven't really talked about Ward in this episode, and there was a couple of interesting things that went down there with Ward and him trying to get Joy back in under Rand Enterprises once again, even without it being in the name of Rand Enterprises. As always with this character, he has so much money available to him that he goes out and buys a shell company to cover Joy so that she's actually still kind of working for him. And he feels this is another way to protect Joy from being out in the world, to control her almost as the way Joy sees it. So doesn't mend the relationship at all, but at nope. least he goes and sees her in this episode, unlike last episode. Yeah, I, I loved Ward and Joy's final interaction in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that Ward is trying to be the better person. I also love his sponsor. I just love Ward. I love yes, his interactions. Yeah. Um, also, the fact that uh, the actor himself is dating Jamie Alexander from right. Blindspot. And um, she had a lovely tweet last week, the week before launch, just telling everyone how great he is, uh, showing a one of the show caps um from obviously all the crew got just going hey go watch my gorgeous boyfriend his character is amazing i was like ah but more importantly i love the character very cool yeah no i'm loving ward loving his relationship with joy and loving seeing him getting very jiggy with his sponsor i'm pretty speechless at the fact that you called out his girlfriend as being from the tv show blind spot do you not know who that who that actress is, Christopher? <laughs> Jamie Alexander. Yeah, do you not know who she is? 
in terms of Marvel. She's a goddess. Sith! Lady Sith! <laughs> Lady Sith! Oh my god! Ooh, I will give you the opportunity snafu. to change no, that if you'd no, like to. No, this is a snafu. This is going on my permanent record on this podcast. <laughs> it's like blind spot. Why is he yeah. saying blind spot? Wow! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, fellow defenders, I come to you today with a confession. <laughs> I've been overworked, over podcasting, moving house, and apparently it is affecting my knowledge of the MCU. Because <laughs> the reason why I remember is because we actually pointed it out towards the end of season one. Uh, we, we realized that the two of them were together and that he was dating a god who was dating Thor's real wife, basically. So, uh, so yes, there, there you go. Speaking of God, I'd like to also speak about Daredevil, a man who at the end of The Defenders potentially is gone to meet his maker. But we actually know he hasn't. But to everyone else, he is dead. I'd like to give you a quick overview of none other than Typhoid Mary. Mm-hmm. So Typhoid Mary was first introduced, I think it was in 1988, it was a Daredevil 254, and I remember that because it was created by John Romita Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and a fantastic writer named Anne Nocenti. Um, they had this fantastic run um, on uh, Daredevil back then. And, yep, so she's a mutant. Um, she has a host of powers. I don't want to get too much into them, but there's, like, mm-hmm. level psionics, things like that. But interestingly enough, she hasn't really had any interactions with Iron Fist in the comic books. Mm-hmm. She is a daredevil um, kind of opponent. Um, sometimes she has worked with him, but mostly as an opponent. She has ties to kind of organized crime, um, and she has been a well-known assassin. And if anyone's really interested, there's a fantastic um, cover of her character from Daredevil 46 from June 2003, and it's by Alex Maliv. Um Just fantastic because it really shows off who the character was in 2003 also i just want to quickly recommend you can get your hands on some of the deadpool or spider-man ones where she's in Mm -hmm. they are really really good ones so for those of you who are interested in her backstory very very quickly essentially she was working in a brothel um and matt murdoch had tracked a villain there and unfortunately, he was surprised by the women who started running towards him when they wanted to escape. And this is back when Matt wasn't Daredevil. He was still the man in black. Oh, right. And yeah. he panicked and lashed out. And unfortunately, Mary fell out a window. Hmm. And it was at this moment she became um, Typhoid Mary. At this wow. moment, she vowed to go against men forever. Mm-hmm. No man would ever hurt her. And they would pay. It, there is some elements of in later issues where she's also been known as Mutant Zero. Mm-hmm. It's the one I'm reading at the moment. Yeah, I'm reading Typhoid's Kiss, uh, yes. a graphic novel collection of some stories for Typhoid Mary. Some really interesting stuff in there. It's very 90s, though. I was laughing yeah. at some of the uh, <laughs> some of the statements made by Wolverine, who's her partner in some of the uh, some of the books. That I was going to heat that would never go down yeah. very well today. <laughs> no, no. But no, really, really interesting. One of the things I did take out of that that I thought would be interesting in here is it's really something that can only be done in the comic books, but I like the fact the character of Typhoid Mary can pretend to be Mary really easily. So she can manipulate people by pretending to be Mary, not just being the personality of Mary. It's a nice little touch. Yeah. And there there are some differences uh, from what we kind of assume so far, what we've mm-hmm. seen so far in the series to the actual character in 
this and we we knew there would be i don't want to get into too much because it may spoil a, a nice twist later on yeah and those of you who know the character will know probably where i'm going with this um but for those of you who don't watch this space they may do something with it if they do not by the end of the series or at least when the, the character has exited the series i will do a bit more explanation of why I, what i wanted what i hoped and what was different right excellent excellent thanks for that chris good stuff yeah really one of my favorite characters so far this season we're only four episodes in it still feels like it's cracking along at a pace though guys uh, and it's only a 10 episode season so not a huge amount of time left in the season to go but on that note john do you defend this episode of iron fist target iron fist i do defend this episode of iron fist i give it four and a half sweet crusty zombie fists out of five <laughs> yes what is not to like about a Iron Fist, a former immortal Iron Fist, desiccated like a coconut, put up into a casket, communion wafer being ripped from his chest for a Nigella Lawson-esque uh, mystical recipe making by the Crane Sisters. Absolutely loved it. This had loads of stuff that just got my... Uh, juices flowing because it was like a big cake being made uh, so i really can't wait to see uh exactly how davos uh comes out of this because he's got the steel serpent symbol on his back fantastic um we have murray murray quite contrary how does your garden grow uh, pretty violent, really, if you're Mary Walker. And to be honest, uh, I didn't really want to be Joy at one moment in that apartment. Mm -hmm. And then to see her smack down uh, in the subway on Danny Rand uh, at using his iron fist. Absolutely fabulous. You've got Misty Knight coming into this episode, and I loved it. Um, there was just so much to this episode for me probably the most iron fisty one of the the series so far really enjoyed it really delved into the the comic book lore here with the crane sisters you know a take on the daughters this idea of multiple iron fists as well being introduced uh so absolutely uh loved all of this we see Mr. Yang, Mrs. Yang, that breakdown of the parlay as well. Um, but it was just a great episode. So yes, I heartily defend this episode of Iron Fist. So Chris, what about you? Do you defend episode four of Iron Fist? Yeah. So far this season is just, as Derek said, blistering along, but it's keeping my attention. This has all the elements and it doesn't feel rushed. And I think that is the key. Um, I hope none of our fellow defenders, as they listen to this, feels like it's going too fast because I don't think it is. I think they're giving us just enough of everything. We'll talk more at the end of the season about kind of the season length and kind of get into some discussion on that. But so far, I'm loving what they do. Each character is getting their fair share. I'm excited to go into episode five because exactly where we left it with the Vulcan mind meld that's being placed on Danny Rand by Davos right at the end. This is the birth of the Steel Serpent in all his glory. And I just can't wait to watch and see how, where this goes. Mm -hmm. um, so, yep, I 100% defend. Um, I've yet to be let down by Iron Fist season two. And I think that's a fantastic thing to say. Derek, 
Do you defend this episode of Iron Fist? I'll close it out really quickly. Yes, obviously, I defend this episode. <laughs> this is an excellent episode, another great one, but it really is showing off what all of these characters working together can do. There's so much intrigue and so much good stuff being put on the screen for this season so far dying to get onto the next episode. Everything that, that has happened so far has led us to a point where we've got Davos coming into the show in the fifth episode of the season, hopefully fully powered as another Iron Fist or the Iron Fist. And let's see what he does. Let's see how he uses that now that he has the power himself. Really intrigued for that. Hopefully, fellow defenders, this is where we're putting in your feedback on the first couple of episodes of Iron Fist. Exactly as we thought, our fellow defenders have been busy sending in feedback on Iron Fist Season 2. Our first piece of feedback for this episode comes in from Claire Payne on voicemail. Hello, defenders. I thought it was time to air my dulcet tones on my thoughts of the first two episodes of Iron Fist Season 2. I am thankful that Ward hasn't changed. He is still the same spiky snob that we saw in Season 1, but it is nice to see that he's trying to understand why Danny doesn't want to be in his corner office without doing a job that he finds more useful. Colleen, a strong character straight away, but a nice direction in how she's helping the community and her relationship with Danny is one of the best in any Netflix Marvel show, as she has the patience to let Danny catch up with the years he has missed. Mary is so intriguing. I'm avoiding doing any research on her character, as I'm enjoying how she is evolving with, with each episode. Mary is creepy because she is acting so sweetly intense and the scene where she looked at herself in Colleen's bathroom mirror was captured brilliantly as you could see someone trying trying to break free through her eyes. Bravo, Alice Eve. Not sure about Joy at this point in the season. I don't think she fully likes portraying the disconnected person and and it does come across she is still deeply hurt that her father was alive without her knowing. I can't deny it is interesting what Joy and Davos have got planned. So good to see Davos back straight away and to hear his discussions with Danny about Kung Lung as he believes he is the rightful owner of the Iron Fist. Love the brutal flashback fight sequences between Danny and Davos and the present day ones, especially Colleen in the restaurant kitchen. Um, a great season so far. Many thanks, Claire. Thanks so much for that feedback, Claire. Always good to hear the voice of a fellow defender uh, talking about these shows. Uh, yes, yeah, really good points in there. That that first couple of episodes was really, really good. Getting to see all these characters working together again. The relationship between Colleen and Danny just gets stronger as the episodes go on. It's been really, really enjoyable to see. Yeah, thank you so much, Claire. I really have been loving Ward as well. <laughs> yes, a little bit of the old Ward there mm-hmm. and a... A new ward is coming out there as well, I think. So uh, really uh, good to see. And thanks very much for the voicemail, Claire. Again, to remind our fellow Defenders, if you want to send in any feedback by voicemail, just go pop on over to our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com. We have a little tool there that you can just click the button on and record up to 90 seconds of your feedback. Or if you want to, you can record an MP3 on your phone and just email it into us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Uh, Chris, we got some feedback over in our Facebook group on episode one. Do you want to start off there? We did. We got some feedback from Jeff Child, who went on to say, Good action sequences in this episode one. I'm not sure why Joy lumps Danny in with Ward and her father. Danny looked a little crazed, punching the door at the end. Yep. As we kind of talked about uh, on our uh, initial episode one podcast, that end scene of Danny um, definitely had some crazed eyes to it. But now, as we see, as the episodes have gone forth, definitely there's a, a bit of crazy eyes 
in Danny there. And I'm in agreement with you, Joy Lumping Danny and Ward. Uh, together, at that point in the episodes and the season, didn't make much sense. But you, as you learn the rationale and the, her reasoning, it makes a bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff also goes on about episode two saying, I'm, I'm curious what they're going to do with Mary. I had to look up the character because I was unfamiliar with her. I think they'll need to tone down her powers. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the big thing for the MCU is that in the comic books, there are some powers that Mary has where she's a mutant and we don't have the rights to mutants over in the MCU just yet. So uh, there probably won't be much mutant powering of Mary in this episode. Or this season. Yeah, Robert Phillips says the fights in this season really are a different class, aren't they? And Colleen's social worker role is definitely evolving, though part of me wants her to slip up and show you actually need some training. <laughs> I know nothing of Mary being a telly and cinema fan only, but are we seeing something in the timber of lighting and left right side shots when sliding between personalities? Robert also says, What about Wine Watch? Uh, what about the brand and the trivia, John Harrison? Uh, well, yes, thank you, uh, Robert, for that. Uh, I think, as I said, we've kind of not really covered uh, a wine watch. But otherwise, if we do go to wine watch, it will be the basics of red, white or rosé. Maybe sparkling as well. We'll just have to see. Um, maybe a few ciders and a few perries in there as well. Possibly. Robert goes on to say, Unlike season one, I'm actually wanting to keep on watching through these. Maybe it's the pacing or the action. Or maybe just because Danny's not a self-obsessed rich boy anymore. Whichever, this has a drive. I think the show, and from what you know, is setting Mary as a lone but troubled woman. But as I watched it, could she could still flip to having an abusive, coercive partner around two, I think. The Killing Cuddle with Mr. Yang by Davos, very, very naughty. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, I also thought Mary potentially has an abusive partner as well with all the post-it notes. Um, but I think that uh, abusive partner could be a little closer to home uh, that, than we really think. Um I like the idea that it was a killing cuddle from Davos. I suspect Davos doesn't cuddle too many things in his time. Uh, Indeed, dare I say it, that uh, by episode three, I think, he's having to do cuddling that I don't think he really wanted to do at all Mm -hmm. in order to uh, get a particular prize that he uh, requires. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much, Robert, for the feedback. Really good to hear you. And just to mention, as you say, you don't know much about Mary. We're not really talking too much about Mary at this stage because we know the character is going to be different from the comic books. There is definitely a reference. Claire actually called it out earlier on in the voicemail. There is that reference to Mary's comic book origin a little bit, or comic book costume a little bit, when she's looking in the mirror, marks one side of the mirror down, uh, taking the steam off, and the steam is left on the other side of her face. In the comic books, it's personified, her DID, her dissociative identity disorder, is personified by having half of her face masked with makeup and the other half without it so um so that those moments they are showing little touches in there uh, to show what the character is like in the comic books but thanks very much for that feedback robert salima kisler just says um i still don't get joey's motivation in episode two hoping for more clarity on that soon i think by this stage we've got a bit of a bit more clarity on what's going on in joey's mind as well so we're, it's, it's all right now i'd say this stage for you salim yeah absolutely i think um like like Salim and like Jeff as well um yeah Joy's motivation was a little bit difficult to kind of uh, penetrate really uh, why she was lumping all these people in but I, she certainly does 
uh, reveal more as to where that comes from. And I, I think it's quite cool, to be honest. But mm-hmm. um, certainly, yeah, it, it's difficult to really get behind Joy's uh, reasoning for for such, um, I suppose, hatred, vengeance uh, that she's directing towards Danny. Even Ward, I suppose, in, in that sense. But, you know, brothers, sisters, you never know how rational that could be. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. Over on episode three, we received feedback from fellow Defender and Into the Night podcast host Ray. He went on to say, what a dinner. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Eat your heart out. The awkwardness of it all so well played out. You can almost relate to those moments when there's that big fat elephant in the room. Props to Colleen for telling it as it is and for doing most of the work preparing the dinner when Danny previously said that they would share the duties. Watching meatballs burn on the grill is not sharing the duties. <laughs> I don't even think that's a cooking technique, uh, so. grilling meatballs. <laughs> it's char-grilled. It has, like, New York je ne sais quoi. Mm. Kung Lung New York fusion. I think I, could, call it. <laughs> I think I could have accepted the ding of the microwave more than the barbecue for meatballs. Absolutely, absolutely. It felt like he's a character that's gone from, you know, making Pop-Tarts when he was 12 years old before he went to Kunlun and now coming back and having to do dinner parties because he's now adulting in New York. <laughs> it's a yeah, fun little moment there from Daddy. Yes, moving on. We had Jeff Childs come back on episode three to say... BB is an interesting character. I wonder how the squad is going to figure into things. Mm. Right there with you, Jeff. Completely agree. It's going to be interesting to see how they weave this little ragtag band of ragamuffins into the story as a whole. Uh, It's going to get interesting. Yeah, it's like the famous five. But more urban. <laughs> I was more going Fagan's kind of... Yeah, Oliver Twist, kind yeah. of... That's where we were going. Please, Colleen, can I have some more? <laughs> Closing out on episode three, Robert Phillips had this to say. So we have more grape-based action from Joy in this one. <laughs> and the untwisting of the divested patterns begins to be exposed. Solar panels leading to a super ray weapon for, to blind the fist to Mary's own winning ways in Kung Lung. That is mark. an amazing idea, Robert, but I don't know, don't know where the show is going that far. Um, but that's what an amazing concept that uh, they're going to get to that final battle and then a death ray will come in through the windows to blind That's very Goldfinger. I think she could probably accomplish the same thing with a well-placed mirror, really, couldn't she? <laughs> it could, but it wouldn't be quite as fun. It Solar capacitors... Who knew? Yeah, it certainly wouldn't be as uh, Bond villain-esque uh, as that Absolutely. <laughs> Dr. Evil. <laughs> <laughs> Robert went on to say, Mary remains a mysterious mix of who and when she is. Or is she not a single character, but a sheaf tied by the tasks she has to complete? Knowing that the showrunner usually, but not always, follows the comic book may allow them to to be at odds, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah, no, definitely maybe on that. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how they'll diverge from the overall um, origins of Mary, um, especially since they don't have certain parts to play with. But yeah, no, it's going to get definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. Robert closed out by saying, and what's going on with the book of numbers? Will the trials be brought down by county like Al Capone? I, I, I'm right there with you. That would be the most amazing ending to the season. It's just going to end up being like big fighting. And then do you know what? We need a lawyer to bring us down. We need an accountant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In come the IRS to take down yeah. the trials. <laughs> uh, let's go on to some feedback about episode four. 
all of this feedback really is about Mary at this stage for episode four, understandably. Uh, Jamie Young says, Mary is scary and so is Davos. I love how dark this season is getting. Yeah. Yes, Davos is a crazy, fanatical guy. Absolutely. And yeah, Mary is scary, but she can be sweet as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's interesting how she's been developed. Um, and I mean, it is that you just don't know what you're getting at that moment in time in the episode and whether it's better or worse than something else that is hiding deep within uh, that sort of dissociative mind of hers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ray also wants to talk about Mary. He says, I love this depiction of Mary. There's that level of Kathy Bates' misery unhingedness to her that puts you on edge each time she's on screen. Alice Eve has exceeded my expectations for her portrayal. I know it sounds one-tracked, Apologies, but Mary's depiction gives me great faith that a translation of Mark Spector, a.k.a. Moon Knight, on screen would be an effective and successful thing, as he suffers from the same condition in the comic books. Uh, that's, yeah, a really good point. I know they did talk about it. I don't know whether we've talked about it on the podcast, actually. Um, they did talk about it before the show aired, that the writer's room were talking about the character of Mark Spector and his dissociative ident- identity disorder and how it plays into the more recent comic books and more recent history and how they'd use that to translate the character of Mary to the screen. So it is really interesting i hope you get your moon night show at some point right because i i can see what you mean there's re- really something here that i'd like to see a main character focused uh, around this disorder It'd be quite interesting oh, definitely it'd be great to get a loony moony on marvel netflix mm-hmm. yeah no i'm with you i'd just be very cautious and up about how who they get to portray mark specter mm-hmm. because the actor would need to have a huge range. Huge range. Tom Cruise, I reckon. Tom Cruise? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got a yeah, huge range. Yeah, yeah, fourth fourth yeah. of July through to um, Mission Impossible. He is about Massive the only range. Hollywood actor that hasn't been in a Marvel movie at this stage either. So uh, maybe. You never know. He might be up for it at some point. Um, I'm but, kidding, uh, by the way. Of course. Of course. <laughs> One of the things Rebecca said to us was everybody should go see Alice Eve in the movie before we go. She's really good in it. Everybody knows her from Star Trek. I do. That was the only film that I'd seen her in. Um, but Rebecca says go see before we go because actually it's also Chris Evans' directorial debut and she's great in it. So, <laughs> so there you go. Alice Eve working with Captain America in a movie. Yeah, And he got his Marvel abs out behind the camera as well. <laughs> maybe so there we go maybe so you're going to watch the behind the scenes of that yeah, film absolutely. that job okay cool <laughs> uh, Jeff Charles goes on to say so good to see Misty again I hope we have multiple episodes and get some Daughters of the Dragon action soon absolutely with you there Jeff uh, it would be so good to see Daughters of the Dragon I mean I think this podcast very much is a big champion of Misty and Colleen. Uh, They really bring a great element to the Marvel Netflix shows, and it's great to have so much time, uh, I think, with Misty as well Mm -hmm. in in this episode. And we certainly hope that that continues through a few more episodes within this season, um, to be honest. Yeah, Claire Payne says, I love this dark episode, and I probably enjoyed Superb Mary holding Joy in a headlock too much. (laughs) Great to see the amazing Misty Knight. Yes, that was a pretty nice hold by Mary on Mm -hmm. Joy. And yes, I think there are many people that squealed with Joy and thinking... Yes, I think you need a bit of discomfort, Joy Meacham, a little bit of discomfort. If not, you know, your dead father reappearing and then dying and then reappearing again. 
and the fallout with your brother wasn't enough. Nonetheless, whether you are directing your anger in the right direction is another thing entirely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We had a fellow defender, Claire Laffer, who went on to say, Mary is awesome. Hope we see some of her pyrokinetic powers from the comics, or at least a nod to them. I'm right there with you, Claire. I think it would be cool. If anything, maybe her just looking at a candle flame or a lighter and it's starting to flicker. I don't think we need to see her full on kind of going uh, the human torch level. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it'd be good just to see a nod. Uh, Yeah, that'd be really interesting to see a powered version of Mary. We haven't seen that yet. It'd be quite cool. Uh, Finally, for this episode, Jim Carrey says, did anyone else's mind play this trick during the conversation between Danny and Colleen at the beginning of this episode? Danny says... I wish there was a world where we were all past this. And then there's kind of a purple shaft of light coming in through the drapes uh, from the sun outside. In my head, Jim Carrey says, I was going, ooh, snap. Is this an Infinity War reference is what Jim was wondering. I didn't see it, Jim, until I saw the episode again. I know the scene you're talking about now, um, timing-wise, possibly wouldn't work, unfortunately. But really interesting if they were tying in with the Infinity War in, uh, in Iron Fist Season 2. And that's the reason we're only getting 10 episodes. Yeah, it'd be awesome if they did. Um, I was there kind of going, oh my goodness, um, really need to see that again. And there's certainly the purple shaft of light coming through, um, but I'm not too sure whether it's the snapocalypse in in any way here. But um, it would be great if there was some of that crossover between MCU and MNTV. We've never called it MNTV before. <laughs> we know that's but I do about. like it. I do like it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, I think as we said before, back in Luke Cage, I don't think we'll ever see an actual TV crossover with an Infinity War because they're trying to keep all those details quite separate so they can have a big opening box office weekend next year. Um, so I'm not sure if we're going to see anything like it because just purely the timing, as I say. But really interesting one to point out, Jim. Thanks so much for that. That's the end of the feedback for this episode. We'll have some more feedback in our next episode for episode five. Thanks to everyone for sending the feedback and again if you want to join us over in our facebook group where most of this feedback comes from pop on over to facebook.com slash groups slash defenders tv podcast that's some great feedback thank you very much fellow defenders we hope so we do yes we do but please remember if you haven't yet please send us your feedback we want to know what you thought of episodes one two three four and soon to be five of iron fist season two do you love davos do you hate davos do you love joy's reaction to her brother what do you think of walker who's better walker or mary we want to know your thoughts here on iron fist late night talk (laughs) yes followed by our recipe segment where we'll be doing mother crane croissants (laughs) (laughs) and with every recipe you can send in uh, your thoughts about any of the Iron Fist episodes through email. Go to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back with the next episode, 205 Heart of the Dragon, which will be out later on this week. Yes, thank you so much. And remember, we want to hear your recipes. Have you made any special delicacies during this season? We want to hear all your recipes and your feedback. All ready for Heart of the Dragon out later this week. Yes, thank you so much for joining us, fellow Defenders. It has been a pleasure chatting with you, uh, as well as my fellow co-hosts, about all things Iron Fist. I'm off for a bit of fire burn and cauldron bubble uh, after this episode, but when I'm back... 
with probably massive warty nose and, and a big sort of broom between my legs. Uh, we'll speak with you again soon. Bye.